2: of skies and seas.
3: if your dad to offer to drive me home no problem as a matter of fact now i can ask you a question about something that's been bugging me okay remember what the preacher at church said about praying last week you mean about how we should pray without ceasing yeah without ceasing what's that mean well ceasing means stopping so i guess he's saying we should never stop praying that's what i thought but that's impossible i mean Look at my dad. He's driving a car. If he closed his eyes and started praying without ceasing, we'd be in big trouble. And how about pilots in airplanes or doctors right in the middle of a big operation? You don't see them always praying. Oh, Carlos, you don't stop what you're doing, kneel down, and close your eyes to pray. You can just think a prayer while you're doing other stuff. Think a prayer? Yeah, like let's say you're riding a bicycle and you look around and it's a really beautiful day. If you closed your eyes to pray, you'd probably run into a cow or something. So you just think, hey, God, nice day. Love the flowers. Or if I'm taking a test at school, for instance, a history test, like the one we had today. Yeah, I can just think, hello, God, I thought I was ready for this test, but my brain is on vacation. So if you could just help me remember the answer to number 37, I'd really appreciate it. That's the idea. Praying without ceasing means being able to pray anytime, anywhere. And by the way, the answer was Napoleon. Napoleon! The Spanish guy. French. I think I need to pray more.
0: Jesus
4: wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
1: to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound.
4: And it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the pillar of cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel took their journeys out of the wilderness of Sinai and the cloud rested in the wilderness of
5: Paran. Well, I must say Moses has picked a fine site for our new camp.
4: It's half a mile to the nearest water.
5: When you get there, there isn't enough water.
4: At Sinai, we at least had grass for our cattle.
5: This is about the worst desert we've been in.
4: Trust Moses to lead us into it. like to know is when are we going to get to Canaan? Never if you ask me. Well, I've just about had enough. Me too. If only we'd stayed in Egypt. I'm sick and tired of living in a tent. Egypt was paradise compared to this. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Small tents on fire. It's the Lord's doing. God is punishing us. Oh, Oh, there's fire everywhere. Moses! Moses, help us! Oh, pray to the Lord, Moses, and stop the fire. Pray for us, Moses. Only you can help us.
6: hear the voice of thy servant Moses. I beseech thee, let not thy anger consume the people with fire. Take away the punishment from them. Let the lightning and the thunder cease. The Lord
4: heard Moses' prayer, and the fire was quenched. But it was not long before the people began once more to complain. I do wish we had some meat to eat. I'm sick of this manna. Manna, manna, manna. Oh, how I hate this stuff. Remember the fish we had in Egypt? And those delicious melons and cucumbers. What what wouldn't I give for a big pot of stew with real meat in it, and seasoned with leeks and onions? Mm. How about it, Moses? Give us some meat. We don't want manna. We want meat. Why don't you help us, Moses?
6: Lord, hear the prayer of thy servant Moses. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat.
4: Say unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. And ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you.
6: But, angel, the people among whom I am are six hundred thousand footmen, and the Lord hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and herds be slain for them to suffice them, or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them?
4: Has the hand of the Lord become ungenerous? Thou shalt see now whether his words shall come to pass unto thee or not. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and on the other side, two cubits high upon the face of the earth.
2: Look at those birds! There must be thousands
4: of them! Millions of them! Now we've got meat. Meat, meat at last. Oh, I can hardly wait to get my teeth into it. Roast quail. Oh. Oh, get a sack quickly. Let's pick up as many of them as we can. We'll get two sacks. Get three. Why, there's enough quail here to last us for weeks. More? Sure. What about you? Never reviews a third helping of quail. That's my motto. Uh, me too. Uh, I can't seem to get enough of this. What's the matter? My stomach feels as if it's on fire. Oh, oh, if
6: only I hadn't eaten so much. Uh,
4: I'm coming down with a fever, too. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the people were smote with a very great plague. And many of those who had murmured loudly against God, and who had eaten too greedily of the quail, died. And they called that place Kibroth Hateava, because there they buried the people who had so strongly desired meat.
1: We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, You can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
2: friend I next to, yes. Why I, yes. I can't see you I a friend, next to you. a Next to you. Shake, it, shake, a hand, shake a hand, shake next to you. Shake shake a hand, shake next to you. shake a hand next to you. To Rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back. I think we need to sing it again. Again. All right, one more time. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you. Rubber, rubber back, rubber back next to you.
3: Be with us tonight for our meeting. In Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Amen. Thank you, Sam. Okay. Whose turn is it to read a favorite Bible text this week?
3: Me, Pastor Prez.
5: Great. Okay, Bible Club members, let's give Rhiannon our full attention again.
3: My text is found in Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 19.
5: The book of Proverbs contains wise sayings by King Solomon. Some say he was the wisest man who ever lived. Go ahead and read.
3: Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment.
5: That's a great text, Rhiannon. What does that say to you?
3: It says that if you tell the truth, those words will always be true. But if you lie, your words are only good for about 30 minutes.
5: Did someone say something untruthful to you recently?
3: Not exactly. I said something untruthful.
5: Really? What happened?
3: Well, my mom asked me if I remembered to do something for her, and I said yes, when I really hadn't. Well, later, I had to make up another lie to cover the first one. Each time I said something that wasn't true, I soon had to say something else so that no one would figure out what I'd done. By the end of the day, that one little lie had turned into a bunch of little lies. So I finally told the truth. Boy, that felt good. My lies lasted only a few minutes, but one truth lasted days and days. Solomon sure was right. When I told my mom what I'd done, she was upset with me, but she said she was glad that I learned my lesson. So, Pastor Prez, do you see this tongue?
5: Uh Yes, I do.
3: Well, from now on, you're only going to hear the truth from it. No more live.
5: That's very good news, Rhiannon. Something we all need to learn. And Rhiannon? Yes? You can put your tongue back in your mouth now. Okay. This program was brought to you by the
4: Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
7: and girls this is Miss kathy i'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you in the case of the secret code willie starts getting strange messages on his computer could they really be from god chapter five writing on the wall the mystery is almost solved willie thought to himself he rolled into his bedroom and went straight to his closet Under his clothes, in the far corner of his closet, he kept a shoebox. In that box, he stored the neat, special things his mother was always wanting to throw away. He lifted the lid and looked inside. First, he saw the glittery rock he had found with his dad in Mount Pleasant Park last summer. He lifted a plastic bag and held it up to the light. Inside was the dried tarantula he had found on their trip to Arizona. He dug past a broken marble and three plastic spacemen. Finally, he found what he was looking for. Willie pulled a postcard from the bottom of the box. The picture showed a kid skiing on Lake Joyful. He turned it over and looked at the message. Hi, Willie. I'm having a great time. I got sunburned yesterday. Tell the other shoebox kids hi for me. See you soon, Chris. It was addressed to Willie Teller, 6322 Trade Winds Lane, Mill Valley. Willie stared at the address. He looked at the brown package wrapping in his lap. Then he looked at the address again. They're not even close, Willie thought. The handwriting is someone else's. Well, Chris, Willie said, you'll be pleased to know that you're not a suspect anymore. What's that? Willie jumped, but it was only Grandpa. Who are you talking to, Willie? I'm just trying to solve a mystery, Grandpa. Willie smiled up at him and quickly put the postcard back in the shoebox. You're next, he thought. Grandpa, did you ever write Mom and Dad any letters? Willie put the shoebox back in his closet. Letters? "'I don't think so. I've never been much of a writer. Why?' Willie frowned and looked at the floor. "'How about Christmas cards?' "'Oh, sure,' he said cheerily. "'We send you and your mom and dad a Christmas card every year.' "'You do?' Willie's hopes brightened. "'Maybe Mom has kept one around here.' Willie wheeled down the hall toward the garage door and Grandpa trailed behind. "'Yeah, your grandmother always signs our names and gets them out the day after Thanksgiving,' said Grandpa.' But knowing your mother, I doubt if she's kept last year's Christmas cards until now. It's June, boy. Willie opened the garage door and looked inside. He realized that Grandpa was right. Mom would have thrown them away months ago. Besides, what use were they if Grandma was the one who signed their names? Willie felt Grandpa grab the wheelchair and spin it around so that Willie faced him. Now, you young pup, are you going to tell me what this is about or am I going to have to tickle it out of you? He poked at Willie's ribs and tickled him until Willie escaped. "'It's nothing, Grandpa,' Willie said, wheeling away back to the living room. "'Like I said, I'm trying to solve a mystery.' "'It's that secret code business, isn't it?' Grandpa raised one eyebrow. "'Well, what can I do to help?' Willie looked at Grandpa silently. "'Is it smart to let a suspect help you on your case?' he asked himself. "'One thing he could do wouldn't hurt.' "'I I think I can handle it myself,' Willie said.' He saw Grandpa's shoulders slump in disappointment. That is, Grandpa, if you would do one thing for me, what's that? Willie rolled over to the cabinet in the corner and opened a drawer. Take this pen and paper and write my name and address on it. That's it? Grandpa looked surprised. He shrugged and leaned on the table as he wrote out Willie's name and address. Here you go, he turned and gave the paper to Willie. Willie held up the paper and the brown wrapper. He looked at one and then the other for a long while, then dropped both arms to his lap. "'You're okay,' he said, taking a deep breath. "'I'm okay? Does that mean I'm not a suspect anymore?' Grandpa asked. "'Willie nodded. I've got one more person to check, though. "'May I invite Chris and Maria over again?' Grandpa chuckled. "'Only if it helps you solve this case.' "'Do you have any more computer jokes for us?' Chris asked as they entered the front door. "'I'm not in a joking mood,' Willie said. "'This mystery is getting nowhere.' "'He told them about getting the library book in the package.' "'So G period, O period, D period, knew about your library book,' said Maria. "'Great. Now all you have to do is find out whose handwriting is on the package.' "'That's what I've been trying to do,' Willie said quietly. "'He turned to Chris. By the way, your handwriting didn't match. "'You are no longer a suspect.' "'What about my handwriting?' Maria asked. "'Am I still a suspect?' "'I got a sample of Chris's handwriting from that postcard he sent me "'when you guys were on vacation. "'I didn't have a sample of yours.' So my sister could still be the mystery person, Chris said. How scary. Maria stuck her tongue out. I'll take you off my suspect list if you can pass two tests, Maria, Willie said, pulling out a sheet of paper and a pen. You want me to write your name and address, she said matter-of-factly. She leaned over the table and scribbled for a long moment. There, satisfied, she handed the paper back to Willie. In response, Willie took the brown package and held it up next to the paper, just as he had done with Grandpa's handwriting. He was silent for a long moment. Chris and Maria watched him until they couldn't stand it any longer. "'Well,' Maria finally said. "'Hmm, close, but no.' Willie looked over at Maria. "'You make funny R's.' Chris laughed. "'That's not the only thing funny about her.' "'One more question for the two of you,' Willie said, serious again. Dee saw me at the library "'and said that you guys have a modem on your computer.' Chris and Maria looked at each other. "'Yeah, so?' "'Why didn't you tell me about it before this?' "'You didn't ask,' Chris said. "'What do you mean?' Willie said. "'It doesn't work, Willie. "'My dad disconnected it about six months ago,' Maria said. "'He was afraid of getting computer viruses.' "'Computer what?' Willie asked. "'You know, like diseases,' Chris said. "'Computers don't get diseases. "'Even I know that, Chris,' Willie said. "'Well, they're not really diseases,' explained Maria. "'They're just computer programs weird people write "'that mess up your computer. "'You can pick them up from other computers.' Like a cold, Chris added. Since our modem didn't work, we didn't want to spoil your fun with your modem, so we didn't say anything. So are we both suspects, or what, Chris asked. As far as I can tell at this point, you're not, Willie said. What do we do now? We could go over to the post office. We could check out everyone's handwriting as they send out their mail, Maria suggested. I don't think the post office will let us hang around there, Willie said. "'Well, how about the grocery store? "'We could look over people's shoulders as they write their checks,' Chris offered. "'Besides, I'm hungry.' "'I don't think anyone will be writing checks with my name on them,' Willie said. "'Why don't I make us some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? "'We can think while we take a break.' "'Willie rolled into the kitchen while Maria and Chris waited in the living room. "'Maria spotted the computer and switched it on. "'When was the last time you checked for messages?' she asked Willie in the other room. "'Last night.' "'Nothing.' Maria walked into the kitchen. Well, you should have checked today. There's one there now, and it's a whopper. The story you have heard today is a chapter of the Shoebox Kids, book two, The Case of the Secret Code, written by Glenn Robinson, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955.
2: This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.
0: Let the children come. Dum comes you the holy foolish things they say the springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become so let the children come please let the children come
4: children's Bible Journey was brought to you by three ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Livetalk Radio at livetalk.net